of a changed life and a part of our church family. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Everybody good? Can we welcome those that are online right now? How about the men of Lansing Correctional? We welcome you and love you very, very, very much. And let's welcome the Plaza location right now as we're linking together as one big family. And I want to start today. Today's a special day. It's a day of generosity for us as a church. That, uh, if you did not know that, then you probably haven't been in a while. But uh, we're in a season of collective obedience, sacrifice, and generosity to seize a God opportunity to go in a new, a, a new way to reach more people than we've ever reached before. We have a, a South location that we now own, but we're building it out. And that has an, a, a big cost to it. Uh, and with that opportunity, though, comes our involvement. And today's the day that we've highlighted on our can, uh, calendar to just make a sacrificial and significant gift to move the kingdom of God forward. Not just our church. This is bigger than just church. This is God's kingdom, God's mission, God's mandate. So today, as we talk about generosity, I want to just frame uh, our, our, our thinking with every seat has a story. We just heard a story from our dear friend, one of my dear friends in the church, Alan. Um, but his, his Sunday where he showed up and sat in a seat, in fact, he actually told me he was planning on going to a different church that morning, uh, but was worn out from, uh, from the move and just went to the church around the corner. And I'm glad that we got him that Sunday because he's a key part of our church family. But in that seat, God touched his heart and God's brought healing and restoration. And now he leans in as a part of our church team to bring other people on the journey. And for 12 years, we've been lifting up the name of Jesus. We've been loving people, serving people, inviting people, and giving people an invitation to have their story forever changed. 12 years ago, it was the, the Purple Seats in the Plaza Movie Theater. You know your OG, our church, when you were there and the seats were purple. For us up north here right now, it was the Park Hill South High School uh, Auditorium where we had a portable church before we had this facility. Now we have the plaza and we have this space. How about the seats at Lansing Correctional? It was generous giving from families in our church that made that a God opportunity. And as a church, this is what I love to celebrate today. As a church, we have seen over 11,000 stories changed for Jesus because of what we do every single week in your faithfulness and in your invitation and in your serve and through your generosity, there's 11,000 plus lives forever changed. Their story was, I was lost, but now their story is, I am found. Their story was, I was disconnected from church family, and maybe I was cynical towards church. Now I'm a part of the team and I have a family of faith again. We've been changing stories by the grace of God for 12 years, and now it's a significant season for us to own the opportunity for this to be something bigger than where we're at and bigger than we've ever done for God to continue the beautiful story of his movement through our church. So we're gonna talk about generosity today, and we're talking about giving, but this message really is not about money, it's about mission. It's actually about great commission. It's to seek and save the lost, it's to set the captives free. It's about building people, that's discipleship, who bring heaven to earth. It's about reaching our metro in a brand new way. It's about adding 1,100 seats, which is 1,100 services, or 1,100 seats in a service 
multiple services for generations to come. It's about doing something bigger than we've ever done before. We will not get there without the grace of God, and we will not get there without your generous heart. Together we believe with every seat that has a story and every person that matters to God, this is our opportunity and moment to seize for God to do something that's bigger than where we're at, that's bigger than us, and all for his glory, amen? Before we jump into the word, would you join me in prayer as we just frame our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear what heaven wants to say to each and every one of us individually. Come on, plaza everyone online, let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the story of grace that has reached us 2,000 years removed from the cross. It's still alive and well. Jesus is still changing hearts. He's still setting the captives free. He's still bringing recovery of sight to those wandering in darkness. He's still breathing fresh life into every part of our heart, our soul, and our mind. God, I thank you that there's nothing in our life that we won't hand over to you because you're the ruler over all things and we acknowledge that you're number one you go first in everything and so Lord, from the beginning of this message we just want to say thank you for changing our individual stories and thank you for weaving us together as a family of faith and lord help us to proclaim to the next generation those coming after us that there's a god in heaven that loves them there's a savior named jesus who died for them and there's a hope that they will not disappoint them and we thank you god for what you have done what you are doing and what you will do truly we declare let kingdom come in our church through our church like never before in the name of jesus and if you're excited for the celebration of generosity today can we say amen I said celebration of generosity. This is amazing what we get to do. Well, awesome, I wanna to speak today for a few moments on generosity and generations. Be thinking about something bigger than ourselves. Generosity and generations. Framing with the thought of this, that we give because we love. The Bible says God so loved that he gave. And we as recipients of that love, as people that have been brought into the family of faith because of Jesus' sacrifice, his gift, we now respond because we've been so loved, we love back by, by giving. You, you know that you love someone when you're willing to give them time, attention, and resource. When you're willing to invest in the relationship. I remember when I met Liz and fell in love with Liz. I was living in California, she was living in Oklahoma, and at the time, Moving from my job, my career, to be back in Oklahoma, that seemed like moving back to where I came from, but she was so worth the investment that I was willing to uproot my life. In fact, I didn't even think twice about it. I wanted to be where she was because that's who I loved. In the same way as people that say, hey, we love God. We've received God's love. We wanna be where he is. We wanna go where he's called us to go. And so my heart for you today is that you would catch a hold of what God is not just speaking to us as a church through this moment and this message, but what is God by his Holy Spirit speaking to your heart? What does it mean for you to give because you love? Because the truth is, every single one of us have a part to play in continuing the story of grace that met us in our time of need. Your story and your salvation is not just significant to you. It is something to be shared with the people around you, and I think most importantly, the people coming after us. We are 2,000 years removed from the empty tomb, 
And today in church, we're still focusing on that love that came for us. And we love to then focus on those that are coming after us. You know you're maturing in your faith when your time at church or even your spiritual life is not just all about you. Now, I know what I believe is that God is a God of all blessing. God is a God of favor. God is a God, the Bible says, of double portion. So not just enough, more than enough. But we don't just come to God for what we can get. If you're maturing, in fact, if you're the kind of person that God can do the most through, you're a conduit for what you can give, for the part that you can play in bringing generational change to the world around us. Because the truth is, you're here today because someone told you, someone invited you, because someone loved you. Someone loved you enough to share with you the greatest of all loves and the greatest of all gifts. So it's not just a duty for us to give back to the mission of Jesus. It's an opportunity for us to do something that's bigger than us, to do something that's generation to generation. Psalm 78, verse 4, says we will not hide. In other words, if we're not hiding it, it means that we're showing it. We're demonstrating it. We will not hide these truths from our children, but we will teach the next generation. So if you're a parent or grandparent, if you're an aunt or uncle, if you're just a friend with someone from the next generation, lean in today, because this is for all of us. We're building something as a church that will outlive our time here on the earth, because what we believe is the mission of Jesus is for eternal things. We're giving towards eternal things. What are you supposed to pass on and teach the next generation? Well, you're supposed to pass on the faith. The faith that came to you is the faith that you pass on. One way you could say that is that we pass on our values of faith. What values do we pass on? The Bible is filled with timeless truths and values and principles that remain true today as the day they were written. But 1 Corinthians 13 gives us the big three. If you're going to pass on three things, it says these are three things that are lasting. These are three things that are eternal. These are three things that outlive you and me. These things, the Bible says, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, these things continue forever. Faith, the belief in God's goodness is something that's eternal. Hope that you put your trust in the goodness of God and you won't be disappointed. Hope lasts forever and love lasts forever. And then Paul even clarifies it more that if you want to know which one is the greatest, the greatest is love. Greatest is love. That love not only lives on forever, but it should be the preeminent and number one value in our life. So when we're talking about our generosity impacting generations, the way we frame our mind is that we give because we love. We love what God has done for us, and we love what we believe God wants to do for others. We pass on that value of generosity. A little study in Bible words reveals that, that the word faith is used 246 times in the Bible. In one chapter alone, it's used 25 times uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. But 246 times we hear the word faith. The word hope uh, is 185 times you hear the word hope. The word love is in your Bible 733 
times. And if you add them all up together, they're still not even close to the amount of times you hear the word give. Give is in your Bible 2,285 times. It is a, a, a foundational truth throughout all of Scripture is that God is a giver and desires for us to be givers as well. The Bible says more about generosity than faith, hope, and love put together. I, I deeply love my family, my wife and my kids. To have Goldie, our little baby, she's now two and a half. We had her the first day at stay-at-home mandate in COVID lockdown, and she has radically, drastically, sometimes chaotically changed our family, but I cannot imagine life without her. What a gift. Now with that, life got complex. With that, I'm not only raising an 11-year-old now and an eight-and-a-half-year-old, but I got a two-and-a-half-year-old as well. Life is messy. But if there's anything that we could give to our kids that blesses them, that strengthens them, that sets them up for success in their future, it is a no-brainer. The answer is always yes. And I always say this to guys that are going to be a dad for the first time. Matt, you're going to be a dad. There's been a miracle story in their child. Um, it's an amazing testimony. Literally, a miracle happened in the womb. And we celebrate and give God all the glory for that. But I always tell new dads, like, man, you, I know you know the love of God, but you don't even fully get it until you have a kid. Like, you not only love this, know the sacrificial part of God who cares for us as a heavenly father, but you just know, like you didn't know what love really was until you had that one to take care of that couldn't take care of themselves. There's nothing you wouldn't do as a healthy father or mother to take care of your next generation. The answer, the answer is yes. Now there's some things that have been passed on to my kids through genetic transfer. Unfortunately for them, neither of them got beautiful red hair. Lucky for them, they look more like their mother than they do their father. But there's some things that have just been passed on, personality traits and, and humor. Um, just some of Liz and I's personality has been found in them. But the rest of the traits, in fact, the ones and the values that matter the most, Liz and I have to take the responsibility of investing that, teaching that, and demonstrating that to them. If we're, in about, if we're thinking about generations, what things do we really want to pass on? I want them not just to know the story of Jesus. I want them to look like Jesus, act like Jesus, worship Jesus, follow Jesus, and share Jesus everywhere that they go. One of the things you have to teach your kids is generosity because we are born selfish. Like You do not have to teach your three-year-old mine. They learn that on their own. But when we're born again, and when our minds are renewed by the word of God, our response to God's love is that we love to be generous as well. And I have to teach them generosity because it is a litmus test to a healthy heart. Because I believe generosity is simply just a practical expression of those values that remain of faith, of hope, and of love. Generosity shows our faith because it's a decision to trust God as our source and our supply. Generosity shows hope, because we don't just live for the here and now, we have a faith that is anchored in hope to the eternal. Generosity shows that we have a hope that is in heaven. 
and generosity is love in action. Listen, you can give something to someone without loving. You all have those people on your list this year that you are only giving a gift because you know they got you one as well. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It shows what's in your heart. So what are we passing on to the next generation? Well, we're gonna pass on to them a church that's better than when we found it. We're gonna pass on to them a faith that's stronger than when we first found it. We're gonna pass on to them the opportunity to move the mission of Jesus further in their generation than we found it. We're gonna pass the baton of faith on to them so they can carry it farther than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. This year, I've said a hundred times, it feels like, that we're a hundred-year-old church in the making. We're 12 years in, just over 10% of the way in to something that's gonna outlive every single one of us. And when it comes to impact and momentum, we have these moments in time, not just on our calendar, but I think scheduled by heaven itself for us to get over ourselves and get onto his mission for our lives, to walk in generosity. We give because we love, because ultimately it makes us more like who God has called us to become. And these mandates and moments from heaven are not about our money, but it's about his divine mission that the ultimate benefactor of it, even though you might be the one that gives the gift, is what God does in you. I believe this, if you're taking notes, we love to give because it's a step closer to God. And by that, I don't mean that you earn your, your proximity to God based upon your generosity, but I believe it makes you closer to God's love and shows that his love is at work in your heart. In other words, it makes you more godly because God is a generous God. And he desires for you to become more like his son, which is the high calling of every single one of us. And when we give, we are more like our God. We're more like the person that he's called us to become and more of the people that God could change the world through. So every time I choose to respond in love and generosity, I'm growing to become more like God because giving is Godly Generosity displays the character of God. And when we're teaching something to the next generation, we're teaching generosity because we have the understanding that we did not get here on our own and this life really isn't about us. It's about our 80 years on this rock for us to do something that outlives us. We're transferring, transferring the radical change that's happened in our lives for those that are yet to come. God is the most generous being in the entire universe. He is always giving. The air that you just exhaled out of your lungs, that was a gift from God. The next heartbeat in your chest, that's a gift from God. Even the ability to get up to work on a freezing cold Monday tomorrow, as much as it might not be fun, it's a gift from God, God gave us the grace and mercy you woke up to this morning, and he wants to give you even more. He has more in store for you. Everything good in your life is because God is generous to you. It means, yes, you have to work hard. You have to steward things well. 
You have to own opportunities. You gotta be diligent. But the truth is every good thing in your life came from a generous God. John chapter one, it says we all live off of God's generous bounty. He, what does he do? He gives us gift after gift after gift. God is the one who just keeps bringing more gifts into our life. When we celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope that you don't just open up your home and throw a little feast and just watch football, although that's definitely on the agenda for the Turner family. I hope you open up your heart and even open up your mouth and give God a little praise because that's what Thanksgiving is all about. It's not about football or a feast. It's about saying to God, I am thankful for every good and perfect gift that you've brought my way. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 29, everything we have has come from you, Lord. And we can only give what is yours already. When I'm thinking about generosity and generations, it's something that we have to constantly teach our kids. Uh, even last night, we ordered, um, we got Chick-fil-A. Got to get it on a Saturday night while the getting's good, because you know it ain't coming on Sunday. <laughs> and the kids, um, the kids got their food, and Goldie got her little nuggets, and I got a salad, because I'm responsible. <laughs> and trying to, trying to stay lean before things. I'm getting my, my calories low now, so I can go high on Thursday. But Goldie's got her nuggets, and I know now not to take one while she's watching. I know how to do the little distract, the little, you know, throw her, throw her attention somewhere so I can do a little sneak and snack. Because if I do, she will respond, Dad, Dad's Goldie's chicken. To which I'm always baffled, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I am the giver of all nuggets. There are no nuggets that exist in your life without Mom and I. You will never have another nugget again until you're 18 years old, if that is my heart's desire. Every good and perfect nugget has come from this hand. There's no Netflix without daddy and mommy. There's no Peppa the Pig without your parents. There's no Paw Patrol on a roll without dad paying for that subscription. It came from us. Something we have to teach him. That, hey, not everything just shows up in your life. It came from a cost. It came from a sacrifice. You did not get born again without generations of people being faithful. Some people, listen, even unto death. Something we don't even have to think about here in the middle of America in 2022. People put their life on the line to leverage all that they had because they'd received such a great love. Their response is, oh, I give because I love. The message has found its way to us. The mandate, the Great Commission, has found its way to us because people loved enough to give. None of us brought anything into this planet, and you're not taking anything, practically speaking, with you. For 80 years, it is just a loan you don't own. When it comes to generosity and generations, we love to give because why? It glorifies God. I want you to start thinking about your giving. It's not something that you're just sending away, but something you are sending up to the throne room of heaven that glorifies your God. It's something that gives God the credit for your life and gives God the opportunity to do even more. This is what the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians 9. You will be glorifying God through your generous gifts. 
When we give, we decide that we're not the center of our own universe, that there's a king in heaven that was so kind to us that he gave his only son to be crucified for us, who was raised from the grave, and that same power lives in us. This ain't about us. It's about the glory of God and his unbelievable love for us. Who gets the glory in your life? I pray if it's just been about you that that would change today. And I do not say that as a pastor trying to build out an awesome new church building. I say that as a fellow believer that wants you to walk in the authority of heaven that comes over your life when nothing holds you back from giving God what is already his and giving them the glory that he is due. This last week I was reading about the Statue of Liberty. It popped up on my little news feed. Um, there was a gift that we got from the French. They've given us a couple good gifts. Berets, croissants, fries, maybe the greatest of gifts. And they gave us the Statue of Liberty. The idea came from a French historian and abolitionist named Edouard de Laboulet. What a French name. And he, he designed it and created it uh, as a 100-year anniversary, centennial of America's independence. And the first half was funded by the French people that wanted to just honor what, what really honestly, what, what God was doing in our nation. And, and just that, that there was this beacon of liberty and this beacon of freedom in the world. And then the other half was funded by Americans. And they, they had created the torch first in the hand and they brought it over and put it on display. And the fundraising took so much longer than they thought it would. It, it took... Um, Pulitzer, the, the, the newspaper man, uh, like all of his resources, and, and he worked with other people, and they raised $600,000, which doesn't seem like much now, but back then, from in 1880, that's like over $100 million, and even the New York Times is fighting against it, says that's a total waste. New York doesn't need that. Now, you and I, we can't even imagine the Big Apple without Lady Liberty. Like every one of us, when you think New York, you think, man, that, that you think, like, that's where the Statue of Liberty is. That, that's an that's a unbelievable monument of our, our nation's history and legacy. It's a monument to freedom. In fact, the placard at the base reads, Give me your tired. Give me your poor. Your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. It's this beacon for people to look to, to say, hey, wherever that is, there's, there's freedom. And what we're building here as a church is we're building people. The way we could build that better, more significantly, strategically to reach more people is by building a building. But we are not building a monument to this church or our ministry because we are not building this for ourselves. We are building this for the glory of God. As we say here, it is for God's glory or nothing at all. And when the lost come home, and the hurting find hope, and the broken find healing, and the addictive find freedom, and the lost and weary can breathe again. It glorifies God in heaven, and it does something generationally as we do it collectively that not a single one could do by ourselves because every seed is a story, and every story brings God glory. And we're not just about our own story moving forward. We give because 
It glorifies God. We also love to give because it demonstrates our faith. Everyone can have an opinion, but until you participate, you don't really care. Everyone can talk about what's wrong in our nation, what's wrong in our city, what's wrong in the classrooms, but until you actively engage in solution, your heart really isn't connected. So we don't just talk about it, we live it. This is who we are. We're people that respond to God opportunities with generosity because we're not thinking about ourselves, we're thinking about generations. Generations and generosity. Because you could teach what you've heard or learned or know, but ultimately you will replicate who you are. 2 Corinthians 9, 13, your giving is a proof, listen, of the reality of your faith. You're giving. You could say you're living. You could say you're serving. You could say you're evangelism, anything that shows that I'm willing to get out of my comfort zone and into my place of calling for something that's bigger than me, that's about God giving the glory and about others finding salvation. The things that you do show the reality. Is your faith a real faith? It is seen in your living. It is seen in your giving. And it is seen in your serving. And this is a faith-giving season. Like I said before, Hebrews 11, 25 times, by faith, Moses. By faith, Esther. By faith, heroes of yesterday. Made a way for the faith to find us today. And you might have to give. In fact, I only want you to give if you're able to give by faith. There's a principle that I don't teach often although I fully believe, because it's been twisted and corrupted over the years in little bits of selfishness where God didn't get the glory, but that we walk in generosity because A, it is obedience unto God that he gets to go first, and we care about his mission, and we love, we give because we love. But when we give, we also open up God opportunities for him to bring blessing. We don't give to get blessed, we give because we've received blessing, but we also should have our faith ready for the future he has for us. So when we give today or give in this season, it's a faith-giving season, but I want you to have faith, not that we're just gonna get the building done, but that God's gonna bring breakthrough. The Bible says when we honor him and put him first in our resource, that there's an open heaven over your life, and you need to be believing to the real blessing and favor of God to flow in your life anymore, more and more. I can tell you testimony after testimony in the hundreds of people in our church that when they started glorifying God through generosity, walking in obedience, that God did more. And we don't give for the more, but I want you to have faith for the more because the Bible says you have not because you ask not. So we need to ask God for more, more blessing and favor on our families, more God opportunities for evangelism more opportunity for mission on your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, more that God wants to do through you. It's a faith-giving season, but by faith, we're going to give. It's a faith-giving season because the climate right now is one of fear, especially when it comes to the economy. People are worrying and forecasting and looking at this report and that report, and there, there's re recession and 
all, all sorts of drama. And I get it, it is hard and difficult for some people. I've actually heard it literally from many of you saying, hey, man, I wanna do this, but honestly, this year was such a difficult year. For others, it was a bountiful year. For some people, it was a, it was a difficult year. And I understand that, guess what, so does God. But one thing that happens when we walk in generosity and God gets the glory and we're demonstrating the reality of our faith is we're saying, although we're in this nation and a part of this economy, we're actually from a different kingdom and God is our source and our supply. We give by faith because we don't live like the world lives. We know we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus and therefore we're in a different family. And I give by faith because I'm trusting God as my source and my supply. So what are we really believing for? Kingdom come in your life. Our church isn't just a house of miracles. Your home is a house of miracles. That your family begins to get more united than ever before. That your kids mature in their faith. That they bring their faith to school. That your workplace would be touched with a move of God. Why not see the greatest revival in the planet start in your own workplace? What's too difficult for our God? We're believing for God to move mightily. Not just the seats in our new south location, not just the new house of hope. Now in every area of our lives, we're desiring kingdom come. More space, more stories, more soul, more souls change, more space to serve those and help the hurting. It's a beautiful season. It might be a, it might be a sacrifice season. But everything I've ever learned when it comes to sacrificial moments is when on the other side of my sacrifice was something so significant that if I would have seen what was on the other side before I made the decision, I would have done it 10 times over again. But in that moment of faith, I had to trust God. So don't be moved today by my message. Let the Holy Spirit minister to your own heart. Because what, what, what is sacrificial to you is different for me it's different than your neighbor. What was sacrificial in generations of yesterday, it's different for today. But God has the unique ability by his Holy Spirit to put his desired ask on every single heart. And I wanna end with something that I saw this week. It, honestly, it, honestly, it shocked me, but it also excited me. Now they say that 63% of Americans say that they believe in God or would mostly align with calling themselves a Christian. And there's that inner Pharisee in all of us that's like, well, are they really Christians? I guess only really God knows. But there's a deeper question. And 63 is the lowest number it's ever been in the history of our nation. So that could be, oh no, we're failing. Or no, 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 there's more opportunity for the church. There's more opportunity for kingdom come. There's more souls out there for us to seize in the significance of this season. But this stat, this stat, says that um, only 29% of Americans consider themselves to be a born-again Christian. Born-again is not something we've made up as evangelicals. Jesus said it. He says it to Nicodemus. Unless you want the kingdom of God, unless you are born again, which means my old self is died and nailed to the cross, and my new self belongs to God. I'm not... I'm not him or her anymore. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't earn my salvation. I receive, it's a new birth. And so if only 29%, that's what I call salvation, a born again believer. Only 29% of Americans consider themselves born again. That means in our KC Metro, just simple math, that that means there's 
1,562,000 plus people that would say, I'm not born again. I, I don't have a uh, salvation by faith in Christ. That's 1,562,000 more stories. And 11,000 plus salvations is awesome. Let's just take a moment to celebrate everything God has done in our church. Come on, it's awesome. It's beautiful. It's bigger. This is bigger than us. This is a move of God's grace. But there's also, that's just a dent in the opportunity to see Jesus move like never before. I think we're all aware of the terminology, the butterfly effect, that a flapping the wings of a butterfly could potentially nonlinear move things all around the world so there's a storm the other side of the world. It's this little thing can lead to a big thing. And I would say this building for us, the new house of hope for us, this 2023 we're walking to, it's the biggest season in our church history since the launch of this church. We're, as a church, we are moving forward in a momentum and opportunity. It's like 10 years in this single season and in this one year. What an amazing moment. But the truth is, like, we got a big old world to change. There's a big old planet out there. But what does our little obedience look like in the long run? We will not know until eternity. But I know this, we're the kind of people that realize we've been given so much by God. We're gonna give because we love. We're gonna give because we glorify God. We're gonna give because it opens up avenues of blessing. And we're gonna give because this is bigger than us. And as each and every one of us does our part and everyone takes that faith step, it might just be a little flutter of wings, but watch and see, there's a storm of salvations coming because there's 1.5 million people in our city that need the hope that we now have. And guess what? This is our opportunity. This is our moment. This is a significant season of salvation to do something eternal through what we do. It's about generations and generations are impacted by our generosity. Three things continue forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these things is love. Give by faith. Give with hope. Give out of love. We're going to stay linked up because I want to pray. I want to pray for us as a church. I'm not praying about our giving. I'm praying about your heart and your soul right there's people that are in the room, Plaza Online, at Lansing, right now, that need to receive the gift of Jesus. So on Plaza and up north, can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? Just give sanctuary to the person next to you. Today's message is about generosity, but really it's about God's great love for you. That everything we do is a response to the one that did everything already for us. We just have to receive it. If you've never received Jesus and said, from your own mouth, out of your heart, I'm a sinner that needs a savior. I was lost, I need to be found. Then you could not be counted in what that group of what we call born again believers. Because you need a rebirth. It's not a rebirth naturally, it's a rebirth of your soul. It's a new beginning. It starts with knowing that you belong in the love of God. He created and he knitted you in the mother's womb for you to experience his love and to know him. And so I wanna lead us in a prayer on the plaza up north, online, Lansing. If you're in this room right now, if you're in the sound of my voice right now and you've never given your heart to Jesus, maybe you grew up around church, but you never said for yourself, 
I need salvation. Or maybe you have, and you're like, like thousands of people in our church that need to come back home to putting him first, his love first, his, his mission first in your life. Then this prayer is for you. With no one looking around, this is just between you and God. But I do want to know who I'm praying for today. On the plaza and up north in particular, if that's you and you need a fresh start with Jesus, can you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor Kyle, that's me today. I need a new beginning. I see your hand. There's two of you. That's awesome. Three of you. I see you, ma'am. I'm proud of you. Four of you. Five of you. Six of you. That's awesome. Beautiful. Let's pray this prayer all together. In fact, let's go ahead and lift up our heads and open our eyes because this is the absolute, I say this every week, the best part of church. This is what we pray for, what we build for, what we serve for is this spiritual homecoming. Can we all pray this prayer together? Come on, pause it, everyone together. Say, thank you, God, for loving me. You love me so much that you gave your best. You sent Jesus. He was sacrificed for my sins so I could be set free. I believe from this moment on, I am born again. I am a new beginning, a new creation. My old is gone, and my future's in front of me. Thank you for your grace. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm following you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we celebrate? Come on. So good. So good. Beautiful. Hey, we've got some next steps for everyone that just prayed that prayer. That's the best part of church. We just added to the 11,000 plus, but every single one, every single one is significant. And in your seat today, whatever your story is, we are just glad that we get to be the smallest little part of introducing you to the one who cares so deeply about you. And we as a church will do everything in our power to walk with you until you're walking in the fullness of your destiny. Amen. Well, it's our time to give for those that came prepared to give. Hey, maybe you're, you haven't been in a while and you're not prepared yet, or you're still wrestling with it, and that's totally fine. This is a giving season for us as a church, but the truth is we're not building this thing out until we have the resources to do it, and we're believing supernaturally through our generosity that this thing is good and done and already built out, and God's gonna reach so many people. Are we excited about this? Come on, how many of this is exciting? I'm excited. And so you got this card on there, and you know, Liz and I, um, I said this last week, and I really mean this. I don't want you to give reactionary. I want you to give you give in response. And so if you're just like, oh, I'll give something. Hey, we're, we're grateful for everything that comes in. But I would much rather, if I could just be your pastor here for a moment, I'd much rather you take the time to wrestle with God and to ask him. Get in unity. If you're married, get in unity with your spouse. Liz and I did that for about an hour last night. In fact, almost all the way till midnight. We, we talked. We prayed. We cried. We wrote down some things we're believing for, for the church, for the Turners, for, for our lives, for our future, things we're believing generationally for our family. We wrote some things that God could do in a month. We wrote some things God's gonna have to do in a decade. And we, we, we dreamed big and we gave. And here's our gift and I don't say this, oh, look at us, we're giving. I just say, I'm never gonna ask you to do something I'm not doing myself. And in this season, because we've already given once and now we're giving again, this is the most sacrificial gift we've ever given to the church. And I, I can't wait to do even more than this someday. But I, and I don't say that to, to grandstand. I just say that, that this is something we're believing. 
is going to move the mission of Jesus forward in Kansas City and beyond to places it has never been before. So if you're prepared to give, you can get your giving ready. If you're not, take this with you and pray about it. Whatever God puts in your heart, I think he's going to lead us all to a place of faith. If you just have total peace and no pressure and there's no tension there, I'm telling you, that's not a sacrificial gift. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you there's always this thing. It's like, okay, God, I'm trusting in you. You got to show up. And that, my friend, I say this, that is not someone believing to build a building. I say this as someone wanting you to build a bigger life with God. That's where you want to live your life, on the fringes of the unknown and the sacrificial is where God does what he's been planning for your life and the significant call of heaven on your life happens in that space, amen? Amen, let's pray over this giving. Father God, I thank you for all that you've done. I just pause in this moment and just let the weight of 11,000 souls just rest on our hearts and our minds. Every single one, and that large number, every single one is significant. Your word says that you would have sent Jesus just to die for one. That means we individually have the, have the just the same value in your eyes as your perfect son. And so our response to that It's just to say thank you. Thank you for your salvation and thank you for your grace. Thank you that you've wanted us, desired us, and you sacrificed for us. Let's come back to the joy of our salvation. No matter what we're facing, what we're walking through, thank you that we're not doing it alone. Our Heavenly Father is with us, in us, and for us. And then, Lord, for the opportunity that's at hand. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to speak to every heart a faith gift, a sacrificial gift, an obedient gift. And then they give because they love you. But they give because they love your church. But they give because they love people. But they give because they've been recipients of your love. But they give with expectation that there's an open heaven in their future. And would we give with belief that this is gonna outlive us and this is something eternal. And as we receive this, our offering, whatever it might be for every individual, It's our memorial, it's our ownership of the opportunity, and it's our sweet sacrifice unto the one that's given us everything. Lord, I thank you that by faith, not just this building is built, but every one of our locations is filled with lives coming home to Jesus, that there's revival in Kansas City, that the House of Hope is reaching more people than ever before, and that let our church be catalytic for revival in this nation and in this world. Lord, we love you, we glorify you, and we gladly give back to the one that's given us everything. In Jesus' mighty name, if you're a cheerful giver, can we say amen? Amen and amen. Well, as we, the hosts receive that, or if you give online, just know this, I am so grateful. We're gonna get there together by faith, and our future church is beautiful and bright. Do you believe that? Awesome, after buckets go, why don't you stand your feet? Let's worship God together.